Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan DeCenzi. Welcome back to another episode of the show. You know, I wanted to talk about feeling lost because in my interview with Rob Lohman last week, one of the things that he really pointed out that led to his attraction to alcohol was that he had felt like he didn't fit in and he felt really lost when he moved from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Texas. He didn't feel like he fit in and it kind of led him to feeling a bit lost. And I think that that is very common for all of us. I know I have felt really lost and sometimes even at 56 years old today, I still feel a little lost sometimes in my entrepreneurial journey as to which direction to go in or what kind of makes me feel like I really want to focus on it because there are so many things that I find interesting. That's why I became a therapist, to really help guide and facilitate and hold that space for people to really move through the things that affect them negatively, whether it is their past conditioning, whether it is a current experience they've had, for a variety of reasons. And yet, in deciding to go in very specific directions, sometimes on my own path, I felt very lost. And I remember very clearly as a kid, shit, we moved a lot when I was a kid. My father was the chief maintenance engineer of apartment complexes and high-rise buildings. And back in the 60s and the 70s, my father was a union man. And so part of the union contract was that we lived where he worked because he was the on-site residential engineer. And so in high-rise buildings that still had boiler rooms where you had to feed them by coal, that was part of my dad's job is to make sure that the building was clean and neat and you know everything was running smoothly. People had heat, air conditioning, their appliances work, things like that. And so if his job ended, then we had to move. And last count, I don't know, I think I've moved about 29 times in my life. And a lot of those moves or or a good portion of them happened when I was a kid. And so I was always the new kid in school. And I often felt lost because I felt like the outsider. And I understood what Rob was talking about where he felt lost He had his family around him in Indiana, his cousins and his aunts and uncles and, you know, his parents and, you know, just his entire family. And he felt connected and he felt at ease. And yet when he moved to Texas, then he felt really out of place. And some of the teasing started because of the school that he was put into as a magnet school. Some of the ways that we as human beings can then look to outside things to cope, like drugs and alcohol or engaging in certain behaviors. And these things can become habits for us. They can become something that we're so used to engaging in 
that it becomes our normal, you know, and and we're not even sure how to decipher the negative pieces of it. Now, in Rob's case, it was pretty obvious. He was drinking at a young age, and and that started developing into a more chronic drinking situation where he's drinking before swim practices and ending up, you know, quitting the swim team because he chose the alcohol over his passion of swimming. And it ended up landing him eventually into trouble in a variety of ways with DUIs and court appearances. And ultimately, as he was a bit older, it landed him behind bars in prison. And during all that time, one of the main things that he talked about was how he felt lost and a bit disconnected. And even though there was a strong sense of faith throughout their family unit, and they went to church and they had their religious beliefs and they followed those paths for themselves and their family, internally, he still felt disconnected from himself. And I think the whole point of this show is to really help you understand how you don't have to connect with some particular labeled higher power called God or Allah or Muhammad or Jesus or any religious affiliation you may have. You don't even have to be spiritual. The idea is to connect and reconnect with yourself. And I think our childhoods and the experiences that we have that teach us how to look at the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the would'ves and could'ves and the parts of our lives where we got caught behind bullying or teasing or being made fun of and we felt less than and not worthy and not good enough is all breeding ground then for how we keep our voices silent, for how our fears become the major player in our life versus that heart song, that heart's voice that speaks to you deeply and authentically, but our fears override that. And I think that then causes us to feel disconnected and ultimately then lost or struggling to find our paths and find our way. And I think one of the most important things that we can ever do in order to really start to learn to find ourselves and ask those important questions of who am I is to really look at the things that we find are holding us back. And I think part of the problem in being able to then identify the things that are holding us back is that level of honesty. So it's it becomes kind of this weird catch-22, right? I talk a lot about the fact that in order to really understand who you are at the core, you have to be aware. And yet I can be aware that this behavior I engage in is holding me back, right? Like, for example, I have kept myself small for many years, or I had, I really ought to say, I had kept myself small for a lot of years because there was a fear that said, if I go out there and teach the things that I've been teaching for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years at those points, five years at those points, I would be seen as a copycat or a fraud. It was a bit of my imposter syndrome, right? Like, who am I to be teaching this when there are other people out there who are already more well-known 
who are teaching very same and similar things. And so I was very afraid that other people would see that I was kind of copycatting it or kind of stealing, quote unquote, stealing somebody else's material. Yet my foundational premise is that there's no new information and that just like gravity existed long before we called it the label of gravity, all this information that is being taught today has already been stuff that we all know on various levels. But maybe we need to hear it in a particular way. Or maybe we need to hear it three and four and five and ten times before it lands and before we're really ready to hear it and take it in and apply it. And each one of us, the seven and a half plus billion people on the planet, all bring a unique perspective to the table because we are unique. We are individual. And so we each have impact to make and gifts to share, as you've heard me say many times before. And yet, even though I was aware of that and knew that, I still allowed the fear to hold me back. Okay, so great. I was aware that the fear was holding me back, but I wasn't really doing anything about it. I was just kind of going along in my local community areas, doing my thing, doing my work, being a keynote speaker or being a speaker for this event or that conference or engaging in this workshop or that seminar. But I really wasn't working to grow my global reach or grow my reach even outside of my local counties and communities because that fear was still looming. And yet I was clearly aware of it. It's almost like I became happy and complacent with this is okay. This is good enough just for now, right? Even though my heart's voice said, no, it's not. And so I could be aware of it all day long, but I wasn't doing anything about it. So then a question to ask is, why wasn't I doing anything about it? Well, it was a little beyond that fear that was really at the core. The fear of being seen as a copycat and fraud, logically now and intellectually and even emotionally, I knew was bullshit. Because we're all unique, there's no new information, and every one of us has beautiful gifts and talents to share, and our own unique experiences that bring a particular perspective to the table for someone else that only we can bring. Only you can bring it. Only I can bring it. And so I knew this. Ah, but there was a deeper fear looming. And there was this deeper fear looming because there was a part of me that was disconnected and felt lost in how to kind of go about that and make that happen, how to really reach more people, how to find the language to really grow my business and, you know, grow my reach to more people. Because, you know, you hear a lot about this marketing stuff, right? Use the marketing language speak to them, speak to the person so that they hear you and know that you're speaking to them and they can relate to you. I was like, I just want to help people, right? I just want to help people move through their shit because I know they don't have to. And the truth was, is that that deeper fear was really that if I do that, and then I'm still 
like, well, not still, but I'm, let's say still, I'm rejected or still rejected, whatever, however that would show up, then it was really cutting to the core of my sense of self and my sense of worth and value. And so even though, again, I knew that I was worthy and valuable, there were these little layers and then another little layer underneath that and another little layer underneath that. And so how it showed up for me in my feeling lost was sometimes indecision, sometimes keeping myself small, sometimes not taking good care of myself. And so just like Rob, who struggled with his sense of self in that way, and he turned to alcohol and and ultimately some drugs too, in order to cope, right? In order to just kind of move through his life and have fun and you know, not really have to go too deep into who he is. And he had lost that sense of connection to himself. And for him, that was also a connection to God and a connection to his faith. And it caused him to veer down paths that were ultimately pretty destructive for himself. But they ultimately also helped him forge a new path because now he's an addiction recovery specialist and he shares his story about all the things that he's experienced as an alcoholic, as someone who had been in prison, and as someone who got out of prison and truly rebuilt his life. And what I love so much about Rob and his story is it shows the incredible courage and strength that it took for him to be resilient, to bounce back over and over and over again. And it's no different in a lot of ways than my life, although the circumstances look the same. As a six-time sexual assault survivor, my God, there were many times I, I might not have been able to bounce back or I could have chosen not to bounce back, but I did bounce back. May not have always looked pretty, just like it didn't for Rob, but I bounced back. And the idea is that when we feel lost on our path and we feel a bit of confusion or a bit of inability to find a direction or to even make a choice about a direction, it's often because the truth about feeling a little bit lost is that we're feeling a little bit lost with ourselves. And that creates or you know, is kind of a product of the disconnection that we have with ourselves. And so one of the ways then that you can take a look, right, is like I said, to look at the layers, like look at what your fear is, and then keep piling down as though fear was a big blanket that wrapped you tightly. Peel back that layer just a little bit. Just peel up a little tiny corner of that fear and ask yourself this question. If fear is this blanket that I'm wrapped in, and I look underneath that fear, what is really underneath that? And see what comes up for you, because even though fear is really the base, sometimes we can cloak ourselves in such a blanket of fear that it kind of is like its own umbrella of a bunch of other fears below it. And as you start to learn awareness and how to kind of discern what this fear is versus that fear, just like 
I had the fear of keeping myself small. And then I also had the fear of ultimately finding out that I was unworthy and also unlovable. And those were the base kinds of fears that were driving my decisions to keep myself small, even though I didn't recognize it completely from a conscious perspective. I saw my behaviors and I saw what I was doing, but I didn't really kind of, I wasn't willing, I should say, at that time or ready to really dive a little bit deeper and listen to my heart's voice. I knew that my heart was saying, I want to reach more people because I truly want more people to have freedom in their life. And yet I wasn't really taking the action to do so. It's kind of the same as I'm overweight and I want to lose weight, but I keep eating cupcakes or I keep ordering out fast food and I keep shoving garbage into my mouth and then getting on the scale and wondering why I haven't lost weight. There's nothing wrong with that if that's your choice. But if your ultimate feeling is that you desire to lose weight, then at some point you're going to have to take actions that follow that path of one who takes actions to lose weight. It's really that simple. And so if I wanted to reach more people, then ultimately I had to engage in actions that would consequently have me reach more people, whether it was do more speaking engagements, go to more networking meetings, do more workshops and seminars and all kinds of things where my visibility and my exposure to others was larger. The same through this podcast. And so it's very easy for us when we are engaged in unhealthy behaviors or behaviors that are hurting us, or even having thoughts that are negative and destructive for us, and we can't seem to break the cycle of those thoughts. We cannot seem to stop the loop. I always likened it to, to our thoughts in that kind of way, being like a tape recorder where it's stuck in the down position on the rewind button, and it's just looping and looping and looping. And at some point, it is important for us to take action to hit stop on the tape recorder so that we can figure out why it was stuck in the down position on the rewind button. It truly isn't enough to just say, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and put your big girl, big boy panties on and just, you know, forage through. You've got this. Just barrel through. Because, yeah, it'll work for a little while, but it won't ultimately help us discern what are really the underlying roots of the issues that are giving rise to the core issues that you hear people talk about all the time. And so over time, I want to get into, you know, really kind of picking apart the four roots that I have seen that are common across pretty much every issue I've ever seen in my therapeutic practice. And even in my life, and even in my friends' and family's life, I've seen four roots that really seem to be what causes the other core. So think of it like this. There are four roots of this main tree that is called you and your life. And from those roots then grow other branches 
that are like core important branches, but they're coming from the root. Without the roots, those branches wouldn't be able to exist. And so when we say we have this core wound and that core wound, it's really coming from a deeper root wound. And part of that then manifests as feeling a bit lost and a bit unsure how to regain the connection to ourself and regain our own faith, whatever that may mean for you. And so I hope that as you step into becoming the spiritual badass that's your birthright, you're simply asking yourself questions. And some of them can be as simple as, who am I? Who am I without the roles that I play? If all the roles were gone, like some of the roles I play are therapist and coach and wife and mother and daughter and sister and friend and woman and badass and compassion and caringness, those are kind of traits, but I can also play that as a role, right? Right? Especially as a therapist and a coach, people can say, oh, you're supposed to be very compassionate. You're supposed to be very empathetic. And you're supposed to hold that good space. There's those supposed to words, right? Kind of like the shoulda, woulda, couldas, which one of these days I'm going to do an episode just on the shoulda, woulda, couldas so that we can all learn to stop shooting on ourselves. But when we get into looking at some of those pieces, and we look at the supposed tos, then we realize that what if I'm in a place today where I really cannot hold that space for people? I'm not feeling good and I'm I'm having a maybe a rough couple of days and I'm just not feeling very compassionate. Well, if I have clients that day, it really wouldn't serve them for me to necessarily cancel my my sessions with them just because I may not be able to hold that level of compassion for them. So I might step into being more compassionate during my sessions with them because it's important for their healing and for their journey to feel that compassion from me. And so sometimes that can be a little bit of a role too. So when I say to kind of look at who you are without the roles you play. I'm talking really brass tacks at the core, 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 core of who you are. And what that might look like is, for example, here are some of my core who I ams. I am love. I am inspiration. I am music. I am authenticity. I am dance. I am laughter, and the list goes on and on. And what I mean by that is that there are certain parts of me, even if I'm having a rough day, or I'm feeling hurt by something someone else did or said, or I'm feeling edgy, or I'm feeling tired, or physically I'm not feeling that well, at the core, I am always love and inspiration. I am always music and dance and laughter because even in my rough, bad moment, bad day, bad period, if someone says something funny, 
I'm not going to deny my laughter simply because I'm in this edgy mood. Now, sometimes, you know, some people do do that. That's clearly, though, they're more tied to being in their bad, edgy victimness than they are just allowing the laughter to come forth because they found it funny. Well, likewise, if I'm in the grocery store and I hear music playing over the loudspeakers as I'm shopping and I'm pushing my cart and my body feels like moving, which usually with music it does, I will just kind of like bebop down the aisle way pushing my cart while I'm kind of moving a little bit to the music. And sometimes that might mean I might even sing or hum a little bit. And I'll be conscious of who's around me, but I will allow myself that permission, that freedom to just be who I am at the core. And so part of connecting to ourselves is understanding some of those pieces as to who you are at the core. And so that's a great question to begin asking yourself is, who am I without the roles that I play? And another question is, if this blanket that I'm holding on to that has wrapped me tight right now, it's fear, and I were to peel away just a corner of it, what other emotion, what other set of thoughts and beliefs might be hanging out underneath? And then one final question you can ask yourself is, is this really my truth? Or is this a truth, a belief, a pattern, a thought process, an idea that I learned from someone else, that they told me this was true? And that could be something like, children are, are seen, never heard. Or, you know, you better not cry because if you do, I'll give you something to really cry about. Or things like, you know, good girls aren't supposed to sit with their legs open at all. They should always have their legs crossed or at least their ankles crossed. I don't know about you, but I'm as feminine as they come and I sit on chairs all the time with my legs kind of separated why? Because it's more comfortable for my back and my hips. I'm honoring who I am and what feels good for my body. I don't really care what other people think. Now, if I'm in a fancy schmancy kind of, let's say, you know, special dinner or something where, you know, there is a an element of manners and decorum that's required, like, I don't know, let's say I met the Queen of of England, right? Well, I'm going to be consciously aware of that and not allow it to change who I am, but honor the fact that I'm in this other setting and I need to shift my behavior just a little bit to follow those kinds of societal rules or those expectations or norms of where I'm at. But it better be somebody like the queen. Because I tell you, if it's like the mayor of my city, or it's like the president of some company, or even the president of the United States, I don't care, current or otherwise, there's no way in hell I'm going to shift who I am just because that person 
holds that title because that's just a role that they play. And I want to learn to honor people, not the roles they play. And so those are really good questions to begin helping you find your way back to yourself. Because when we are really connected to ourselves, our sense of self-worth goes up, which is about the deservingness we have. Our sense of self-esteem goes up, which is about the beliefs we carry about ourselves and the world around us. And our self-confidence goes up, which allows us then to engage in behaviors where we experience more overall, but experience more things that kind of like in their own loop help to create more confidence because confidence is all about experiencing. And so when I am more in touch with that part, I feel more able, more confident, more ready and willing to find those directions that I felt kind of lost in. Now, I'm not going to say it's ever going to be easy because just like when I was a kid and we moved a lot and I was always the new kid, I learned very quickly after the first few moves that I had a choice to make. I either sit in the corner being the new kid and being teased and made fun of because I was the new kid, I wore glasses, you know, things like that that kids typically tease about. You know, whether I was wearing certain clothing or I had a certain lunchbox or a certain coat or my hair color looked a certain, you know, was a certain type, like whatever it might be, kids are just you know, sometimes doing that because they're trying to figure out who they are and how they fit in the world too, right? Even younger kids. And so I had a choice to make. I either sit in the corner and feel sad that I don't have any friends and that I'm new and it's going to be hard to meet new people and I'm shy and I'm afraid that they won't like me and they'll reject me and they'll hate me and then I'll have a miserable school existence and I'll never have friends and will have nobody over to my house. Or I could just put myself out there and be more outgoing and work to meet people and hope that I found a friend or two. And you know what? I always did. And a lot of people think I'm an extrovert because I'm so gregarious and outgoing, and I'm so able to talk to people, and I can talk to anybody in any kind of situation. But the truth is, is I'm what they call an extroverted introvert. I can totally be out there and talk to anybody and start a conversation with anybody because I have a genuine love and curiosity for and with people. But I need my introverted time to recharge and regenerate. I need a fair amount of alone time in my life too even to some degree from my own husband, spending time on my own doing things that energize me and light me up and I feel the passion and the creativity and the love flowing. And so looks can be deceiving, right? But I knew I had that choice to make. And I'm glad I did because it taught me how to be more resilient with people who would reject me who I just wasn't their cup of tea. They just weren't interested in getting to know me better or more deeply or be friends with me. And that was okay. I didn't want to have people in my life if they didn't really want to be friends. And so I think that as Rob began to learn that for himself, as he reconnected to his own faith and his own heart's voice, as he reconnected 
to that part of him that was hidden away for so long because he felt so lost and he felt like he didn't fit in and he was just different. As he realized he had the choice on how to make that be not different for himself, and it led him to really not caring how others saw him as he was beginning his recovery and he was rebuilding his life with his wife and his children, he recognized the strength and the power of that ability for him to choose. And it helped him further reconnect with himself and with his faith and with the core of who he is, which is a pretty amazing guy. So I hope that you found that episode beneficial. I hope you find this episode beneficial in beginning to ask those questions because you cannot change what you're not aware of. And even though I was aware of some of those things in my own life, there were deeper parts I wasn't quite ready to be fully aware of yet, and it was okay. The only difference was that when it got to be painful enough, I started asking myself those deeper questions, and then I made a choice on how to move through it. And when I found I came up against a barrier or a struggle where that choice didn't seem so easy to make because I was tied to some hurt or loss or pain that had kind of created that barrier for me, I reached out to others who could help me figure that out, who could help hold that space for me to feel safe enough to dive into that without feeling like it would destroy me. And I would highly encourage you to do the same. I would love to hear from you. I'm always willing to speak to people and offer up 30 minutes of my time, complimentary, to help you begin to move through whatever it is that's holding you back. Because I have that absolute firm knowingness and belief that you are a spiritual badass, and that's your birthright, and you are just waiting to bloom into the beautiful butterfly you've always been. I mean, it's just like a caterpillar from a DNA level. That caterpillar knows it's going to be a butterfly, but it has to be a caterpillar first. It's no different here. I know that you're a butterfly, and you are a beautiful spiritual being having a human experience. And if you're struggling to navigate that experience, simply reach out. Contact me at susandesenzi.com. Go to the Contact Me page on the website. Just fill out the little form. You'll get to my inbox, and we'll have a conversation. And if you would like to do some coaching on air, I am always more than willing to do that because I'm just so incredibly passionate about helping people fly and soar as who they are. So I hope you all have an amazing week. I thank you all so much for being here week after week after week. Know that I love you to death. I believe in you. And go be the spiritual badass that you've always been meant to be because the world is waiting for you and ready for you. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option. Getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. 
If you're ready to start that process, go to SusanDesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.